support this podcast at patreon.com forward slash Chris Kyle Photography Podcast. generally want to start all of these podcasts by framing how it is that you found photography i think we'll get on to the tv or entertainment side of what you do a bit later on but let's just start off with why it is that you started with photography so yeah photography has always been uh kind of a hobby of mine um i kind of grew up around it. My grandfather, uh, my dad's dad was a uh, photographer. And from a pretty young age, I kind of was, um, just kind of got into it. I, I feel like my, my parents actually bought me at my request a video camera when I was probably about 10. Uh, so a little over 20 years ago. And, um, I, I think what it, what it was uh, that, that actually drew me so much to this very specific camera was that it actually had the ability to take photos. So we're talking like quarter megapixel photos, just like the worst, like cell phones, <laughs> like total trash. Um, but I, I really, um, I really loved uh, the photo aspect of it. And, um, every summer, uh, for as long as I can remember, my family uh, would always take a trip up to um, Maine, uh, up to Acadia National Park, and uh, started out when we were younger uh, camping. Then, as we got a little bit older, uh, my sister and I got older. My parents would uh, like rent like a small cabin, um, and so like I was always every summer I would always like everything my entire year I'd look forward to this trip to Maine and um it's just it's extremely beautiful up there. It's 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 an island in the sense that it is surrounded by water. However, it is like right off of the the coast of Maine. So it's not like it's some crazy destination where you have to take a ferry or anything like that. But it's beautiful. Um it's got cliffs and it's got ocean and it's got rocky beaches and it's got some uh, some mountains and a lot of greenery and a lot of lakes. Um, so that was just kind of what really kind of first got me into taking photos was I was going to this place. It was the one place that I wanted to, you know, look for the one place that I look forward to going the entire year. And so when I was there, I just, I wanted to capture, uh, photos and video of that so that I could kind of remember, it, uh, you know, throughout the rest of my, my year. And so I think that's kind of what drew me into it. And it wasn't until, um, you know, I always took a lot of photos and like, I had that camera, I had a couple other, like, I had like a cheap Olympus, um, it, not, not, not even like a point and shoot. It was a little bit nicer than a point and shoot, but it wasn't like a, an SLR or anything like that, uh, that I would just kind of always have with me when I was in high school and in college and then i finally like after graduating college i bought myself a canon t2i which uh was pretty pretty great at the time and kind of slowly from there really started uh getting more into you know really like kind of honing the craft i guess you could say so photography wasn't something that you studied at school it was not um i did however study uh like film and video uh, that was my focus 
throughout school. And I did when I was in high school, I was involved in, we had like a, a television station in our high school uh, that I got very involved in. And it was just like, I got to play with cameras and I got to learn how to edit video and stuff like that. And so that's kind of like, I, I, le- I, I, I realized pretty early on, which I feel like maybe not everybody could say, but I, I realized probably from about age 13 or 14 that like, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And that was kind of be in the, the digital video and film industry. So I did not study photography uh, in school, but it was kind of always like the counterpart to video. So why did you gravitate more towards video than photography then, if photography was something you seem to have adopted earlier? So I think that like, I think part of it was the technology at the time. I think that like video, I feel like was something that was almost unattainable for uh, the generation maybe just before me. Um, and photography was still very much like film related. Uh, and I think that like, I probably had, I, I think a lot of it actually had to do with the fact that like my high school had this amazing, uh, TV station and, and, um, studio. And I think I just gravitated towards the technology aspect of it. And like, I had access to these, these really great cameras and like video cameras. And it just, there was something cool about being able to create like a moving picture. Um, and yeah, I, I think that it just, I, I, I remember, so I actually, it's funny. Um, I remember in, yeah, I remember in high school, there was this, this tech fair, uh, as they called it. And, um, they, there was this, as part of the tech fair, there were all these different categories. So like you could make like a, a PowerPoint presentation about something, or you can make a video or you could take a photo or you could create a logo. And, I actually don't know exactly. I can't remember what it was exactly that uh, I had submitted. I think it was a PowerPoint. And um, anyway, I was at the tech fair and it was like on a county level. And I saw a, a film, a video that that uh, some other high school kids from a different high school had created. And I wish I could like, I'm sh- you know, I'm sure now looking back on it, it, it wouldn't amaze me as much, but I mean, these were, these were kids that were probably 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. And they created this like war film and it was spectacular. And I just remembered like, that was like the moment that like, I was like, Oh wow, this is super, super cool. I didn't even know that like me as a high schooler, me as like a kid that I could create something like this. And I think that's actually what probably first started it. And then the TV studio kind of brought me to the next level of wanting to do it more and then learning how to do it and then college and then so on and so forth. And then that's led you now to working in the entertainment industry. So what is it that you currently do in Hollywood? So I, um, I am a a reality TV, um, producer and also, um, line producer. So I currently am on a project uh, that is for HGTV, uh, Home and Garden Television, which is, I'm not sure how familiar you are with it, but it's... Um, it's, it's my, like um, that's, that's my wife's favorite TV channel when we come to the States. We spend way too long watching that channel on TV when we're supposed to be vacationing. So I know it very well. 
Okay. So yeah, I, I, I do, um, I do a, a TV show that has not aired yet. Um, so you wouldn't uh, have heard of it uh, by any means yet, but uh, it is a home improvement show. Um, and uh, so I've been, I've been working on this project for uh, almost a year now uh, since last September. Um, and so, yeah, I, on this show, I, I handle a little bit of everything. I do everything from like, logistics, a little bit of legal, a little bit of budget, a little bit of kind of story. Um, it's a very, very small crew, which is actually awesome. Um, it kind of gives me the freedom to kind of wear many hats. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's... I. So in, 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 in that case, like that is what I'm doing now. I've worked actually for the same production company uh, since I graduated college 10 years ago. So I've been with um, the same production company for 10 years and I've, I've kind of gone from being like the, the low man on the totem pole, the, the gopher, the production assistant, uh, to now kind of, uh, I don't want to say I'm, I'm running shows by any means cause I'm not, but I'm, I'm, you know, kind of helping out at that level and making sure that, um, things go smoothly on a day to day. I mean, that's one of the biggest differences, right? Between sort of TV movies and then photography is that photography is a very, um, it's a solo endeavor. Whereas anything that's involves motion generally involves a crew because of the, the multiple parts that you have to consider. Do you use photography as a way to kind of reclaim that independence that you don't have potentially from the, your day job working in TV? I think that's actually a really fair assessment. You know, I, I, I haven't necessarily thought about it as a, crew versus like a, like a larger crew versus an individual aspect. Um, I will say, I, I think, I think that's, I think that's actually a really uh, great way of thinking about it. And I, and I think, yes, I think part of that definitely is I've gravitated towards photography because it is that like, you're solely responsible for something. It's a, a one man band. It's your, you are the, the, your skill set and your time and your effort uh, is the what controls the final outcome of, of an image or a project. Um, so I think that part is cool. I also think, though, too, that for many years, for about six years, and actually it's part of the reason why, it's, or it is the reason why I moved to Las Vegas, is I was working on a show uh, where I was strictly logistics, strictly budget, strictly legal. And so it was it was far from a creative role. It was actually very much a office job where I was, you know, uh, where my day to day was, was, was very little involved with the actual storytelling and very much involved in just like making sure that the story could be told. So I think that is part of also the reason why I think I, I gravitated towards photography. I think, I think moving to Vegas is what really kicked off me realizing like, that's what I love doing more than anything else. Um, because I wasn't in a creative role. So I, I didn't have a way to necessarily, uh, you know, use my, use my head and, and, and use my, um, you know, and express myself, I guess you could say. Um, so I think that's that, I think that's part of it too. Well, you mentioned Vegas, which is one of my absolute favorite places, potentially my favorite place in the world. I think if, I think if I had to move, I would, I would definitely move probably to Vegas. I can't really see any problems with moving there. For the people that are disgusting and gross and don't like Vegas and they shouldn't really have an opinion <laughs> that counts, but we'll we'll try and win them over. We'll give them the benefit of the doubt. What is so great about Vegas and what is so great as a photographer about Vegas? 
So Vegas is, um, it's, it's a place where being weird, being different, um, is kind of celebrated more. And I, and I feel like and me saying that actually, I, I feel like I'm stealing that from, from somebody that I've, I've worked with, uh, on, on a couple projects. And, and I think the way she describes Vegas is great. I think, I think that she's right though in that, like Vegas is a place where you can just kind of do whatever you please and, and it's acceptable. I mean, I look at like all of the different magic shows that are here and you look at all of the different comedy acts that are here. Um, it's just, it's, it's weird. And I think it's, I think the, the weirdness is celebrated and, and showcased here. Um, I also think that it's, it's, you know, it's very much still the wild west here. Um, our, our, our town is, um, you know, was, was really, I don't, it's, it's still very, I'm trying to think the best way to describe it. It's still very uh, lawless in a sense. I mean, you can, you can drink on the streets, you can party until I would say 5am, but really you can party 24 hours a day. Um, there's, there's something very cool about that. Now, granted, I feel like maybe when I first moved here, I partook partook in that a little bit more. Now <laughs> I live, I live in a, in a, a very extremely boring uh, life as far as, a, uh, you know, someone living in Vegas might uh, be, I, I feel like I live a pretty uh, standard uh, life. I, meaning that like, I think that like the way I live is not any different than the way like anybody else in any other part of the world would necessarily live. But I think that the biggest thing about Vegas, and I think what drew me to photography in Vegas the most, um, is Vegas is it is the center, it is the heart of the the West Coast, um, and I say that because you are four hours from California, like from LA. You're two and a half, three hours from Joshua Tree. You are an hour from the Mojave Desert. You are two hours from Zion. You are four to five hours from like the most amazing landscapes you've ever seen in Utah. Um, you're close to Arizona. Uh, and so I, I like, I'm not sure how familiar you are with like, I, I did a lot of digital photography before film photography and it was a very different style. It was landscape, but I, I mean, I just fell in love with it because I, had the ability to hop in my in my vehicle and just be somewhere completely out of this world uh, in four hours, and I could spend a weekend photographing, and I could, you know, I could even go. Let's say I wanted to go to like Death Valley for the weekend, which is like two hours from here. And if and when if I was in Death Valley and it was too warm or I didn't feel like shooting the desert. I could go two hours further and be in like these crazy alpine vistas with lakes and mountains and beautiful, like, you know, beautiful trees. And, and then I could just turn around and drive back to Vegas and be home in three or four hours and just like go back to work on a Monday. And I think that's right. what makes Vegas just truly spectacular. I mean, as a photographer, it is, I, I argue, I argue to say it's the best place to live. Maybe even in the world, as far as just like shooting landscapes, and and it's just us. It's incredible. It's so incredible. Well, there's a perception, especially I guess in England, that Vegas is where you go to just get slaughtered with alcohol 
you know, do some crazy stuff, kill a hooker, and then that's it. That's your weekend sorted. When in actual fact, I think that Vegas is probably the only place on earth where you can go get absolutely humbled by nature, photograph it, and be home and have a five-star meal and sleep in an amazing hotel. You know, like to me, it's um, from a from a visiting point of view, I don't think there's any other experience like it in the sense of um, if you see Vegas as just a strip, you're completely missing the point of flying there, especially as a photographer. It's just a brilliant hub, like you say, to get to so many wonderful points. My personal favorite being Valley of Fire and my wife's favorite being um, Death Valley. She's a big fan of the salt flats. In terms of what you've got around you, what, what's your favorite place to go and photograph? So from a landscape perspective, um, and actually, well, yeah, from a landscape perspective, Death Valley, um, hands down is just such an amazing place to go. Um, I, I love it too, because I can, I, and I've done it now countless times. I mean, I can be to Death Valley in like an hour, hour and a half to two hours. So I could like literally wake up, you know, pretty early while I shoot like a sunset or sunrise and i i just i don't know there's something about there's something about death valley that's incredible and there's just so many different parts of death valley like you said there's the salt flats there's these amazing sand dunes um there's these remote valleys that you can only get to uh by four by four and you've got these like crazy mud flats that have these crazy cracks and geometric shapes and there's just it's so diverse and it's so barren and beautiful um i just i i love death valley i mean it is it is truly it's got to be my favorite place yeah and with vegas there's a project that you've worked on uh las vegas bender this is something that i've actually spoken to danny Corey about on the podcast previously but obviously i'd love to get your point of view and what your involvement was in the project yeah so um yeah and and uh i'm I'm glad that you did speak to danny danny is uh he's he's an amazing artist uh extremely passionate about uh what he does he's also just like genuinely like one of the the kindest and nicest people and most encouraging people i've ever met um you know he 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 brought me on, uh, to that project, uh, kind of, we didn't know necessarily where, well, I think he knew exactly what he was, what he was after. I, I kind of came on just to kind of help him and assist him in, in making it happen. Um, I pride myself on maybe not being the most creative, but I, one, I'm extremely technical. Like if, if you like show me a photograph, I can probably figure out a way to, to like, replicate how that worked but also i just i i like to help produce other people and being the best that they can be um and i think that like danny is just so incredibly gifted um as a as a cinematographer as a photographer as well and um so as as far as that project is is concerned i mean i did we i did a little bit of everything it was it was um as much um, technical support as it was emotional support as it was, um, you know, a little bit of creative support as well. Um, I helped, uh, bring on, we brought on, um, one other, uh, person to help out with, uh, kind of like the producing side of things, a, a, a friend of mine, a coworker of mine, actually, 
at the time. And um, he's the one who actually uh, did the, the produce the interview or helped produ- you know, write the interview out. The interview is essentially what tells the story throughout the entire documentary. Um, so I, you know, this was, it was 100% Danny's vision. Um, I like to think that I, in some part, I, I helped him just, uh, make that vision a reality. One thing I will say from speaking to both of you is that, um, and I've actually spoken recently to a director in um, LA who's uh, won an Emmy Award and worked with some of my absolute idols. And I've spoken to a photographer that's worked on Oscar winning films. And everyone seems to have such a positive outlook when I speak to them, at least. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just a common denominator there. But uh, everyone seems to have such a positive outlook. And, you know, Hollywood is the biggest cultural machine in the world. Everyone seems to be trying to get there either through being like an influencer or a photographer or whatever, movie star, director, writer, whatever. Everyone seems to be trying to get there as quick as possible. It seems incredibly cutthroat, but everyone seems so positive. Is it? Is it just an outside perception that it's a cutthroat business or is it a cutthroat business, but you're all just very good at smiling through it? I think there is a bit of cutthroatness. I... I feel like I'm also a bit of an outlier in the business in that. So I, I, okay. So I started in production in Philadelphia and I think Philly and Vegas are actually very similar in that Philly is two and a half hours from New York, which is another massive hub for production. And so I, I, you know, I grew up in Philly, so that's why I kind of started production in Philly. And I think that like there's less of a cutthroatness in Philly as there would be in New York because everybody's decided that they don't necessarily want to be part of that culture. And I think Vegas is kind of similar because of proximity to LA. And I think that like Vegas. There is still obviously a competitiveness uh, to the the, the, the production uh, out here, but for the most part, it's kind of separated from that LA kind of that LA experience where um, if you don't want to do the job, there's ten other people that will do it and they'll do it for cheaper, um, right. and that that's that's the unfortunate um, culture that I think definitely exists in LA. But I've always, I, and, and, and I, I can't speak for how LA really is because I've always worked for pretty much my entire career, 10 years now. Uh, I've worked for the same company and my company's based out of Philadelphia. And so, like, I haven't had the need to put myself out there and be competitive. I, I, I by nature, am not a competitive person. I'm not, I don't, I enjoy watching sports, but I don't enjoy partaking in sports. I don't, like competitive culture in general. I'm not uh, in, I'm, I'm not really into the sport of anything, I guess you could say. Right. Um, so I think that like it actually works really, it's, it's worked out really well for me and that like I haven't had to be super competitive um, because I'm not part of that. And I think that like maybe some, like, like someone like Danny, he, he is a freelancer. Um, he, he has to be competitive. You have to be uh, always ready to, to to pounce on whatever your project is and whatever job there is. And you have to be smart. You have to stick up for yourself. And I and I and I respect that. That's actually something that like I really respect about Danny in particular is that like he has the ability to like say no 
and and he has the ability to like say that I'm a, I'm a respectable artist, I'm a respectable person. Like you need to treat me right. Um, but he also hustles for his projects, and I think that that's that's something that I don't have to experience, and I'm grateful that I don't honestly. Um, but I think in, in terms of like overall, I think the industry is very cutthroat. But I also think that like the people behind the scenes maybe are a little less cutthroat. Like I think the people who actually make the productions happen, uh, if you're good at what you do, you don't have to necessarily be cutthroat, if that makes sense. Right. With your mentioning of, of Philadelphia compared to Vegas and sort of LA standing out on its own, America is a very strange um, country in the sense that you have a very wide country, but you constantly reference either coast and you don't really talk about what's going on in the middle an awful lot. What are the differences between being on the East Coast and the West Coast in terms of like just culturally? Is it, is it much different in terms of the, the way that the people interact and just because it, it almost feels like it's two different countries in a sense? It's very different. Um, I, 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 I feel like. <laughs> this is this kind of maybe cheesy to say. It's like I feel like my heart is on the East Coast, my soul is on the West Coast. It's one of those things where like the East Coast is very, um, and especially like the Northeast is very like the, everybody's a chip on their shoulder. Everyone's very like tough, I guess you could say. Maybe not everybody, but everyone's is 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 constantly um, you know looking out for themselves and others. Um, and I think part of that, honestly, is because like the Northeast during the winter time is just awful. It's so cold. It's so gray. <laughs> all the all the leaves are 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 dead, and all the trees are are empty. And it's just it's such a miserable place. It's part of the reason why I I find it hard to think about moving back to the East Coast. Um, but like, so I think it like I think it almost hardens you. And then you go to the West Coast, and it's beautiful. And that, like the weather's nice year round, and the uh, you know there's just it's just like the, the the skies are almost always blue, and the mountains are incredible, and the desert incredible, and I think that that makes people just a little bit different. I think that like if you grow up around that, maybe it's 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 subconscious, but you grow up grow up around that, and you um, you don't. Uh, you, like you don't have to deal with that like miserable coldness that is the East Coast, and I think that actually really does have an effect on the way that people are. I think that like California is very you know you've got like that that uh, stereotypical like surfer bro who has like no care and no worry in the world, and then you've got like that that hardcore uh, a New Yorker who's tough and you know every everybody's got to fight with everybody mentality. And I think part of that just has to do with the, the landscape. Um, and I think that's, I think that's at least my perception. I'm sure there's a lot more to it. I know there's a lot more to it, but that's my perception of it being born and raised in, on the East coast and then coming to the West coast and, and kind of dealing with two different types of people. Uh, no, I completely agree. I think the, the Northeast of America is very similar to England and Scotland and, and Britain in general, in the sense that the weather's kind of killed us inside and we're all very spiteful. And that's our biggest motivator is to just, <laughs> I, I don't want to succeed for me or my family. I want to succeed to piss off that one guy that said I couldn't, basically. That seems exactly. to be the way it works here. That's very fair. 
<laughs> let's switch over to your photography. Um, let's just talk through what, how do you see your photography style? What is it that you see yourself as as a photographer? Oh man, I'm all over the place. Um, I, like I said, I started doing landscapes. I, I would spend a weekend where I would just shoot. I'd go somewhere and I would spend an entire weekend just shooting one or two compositions. Um, I would, you know, have a shot in mind and I would do an extensive amount of research on where the sun was going to set or where the sun was going to rise. And um, I would spend uh, just massive amounts of time researching what my subject would be. And then when I get there, figuring out exactly how I wanted to line up the shot. And uh, then I take the photo and then I go home and I'd spend hours upon hours editing one single photo and hating it, you know, and, and, and basically, you know, not doing anything with the photo because I hated it or whatever it would be like that. So it was like a very weird process. So I, that was kind of like what I used to do. And now um, I still spend a considerable amount of time planning. Um, but I think I spend a little bit less time stressing over whether everything is like perfect and everything is lined up. and. Um, I think that's actually kind of what drew me to film photography. I, I was very involved in, in digital for, for probably three or four or five years. And then I basically like almost quit cold turkey photography altogether, stopped shooting. Um, and I, you know, basically just didn't, I just lost interest in it. I lost interest in like the cutthroatness of, um, like the influencer culture, I guess you could say, and not that I was an influencer, but just like how nobody was supporting anybody in digital photography, especially landscapes. Like everybody's photo has to be better than everybody else's rather than just saying, wow, you're amazing. I love your work. It was never like that. Then you come to film photography and it's, it's a community and everybody's supportive of everybody and everybody wants to see everybody succeed and everybody's encouraging every, it just, it's a totally different world. Um, the other thing though about film photography, um, is that you don't have to spend, I personally don't like to spend uh, a ton of time in the edit process. And I like the fact that like, you basically, you have to shoot, you have to think about what you're shooting in the field, which is what I like doing. And you have to do it in camera. You're not spending all of this time afterwards, bringing up the highlights and, you know, dodging and burning and using luminosity layers to do... I mean, you can if you want film photography, but I, I don't think it's necessary. Um, and so I think kind of... Sorry, going back to kind of the original question of like where I see myself as a photographer now, I like to think that like my style is like rooted more in like... I don't want to say nostalgia, but just like that old... America, like clinging to like your childhood or your past, remembering things differently than they are now. Um, and living in Nevada is kind of like such a great, again, the, where the West, where Las Vegas is just such a great hub, uh, for just like that old dusty desert American Southwest. And I just, um, I always liked it from a, like driving to Joshua Tree, I'd always stop at Roy's. It was such a cool thing, but I never really thought to photograph it a whole lot. And then, 
I got into film and then I started seeing how other people were shooting. And I, I'm heavily influenced by other photographers, for sure. My style is, is very fluid. And if I see something that I like another photographer doing, um, I'm going to try to figure out how they did that. And I'm going to try to replicate it in my own way. And maybe that's not extremely admirable, but I'll, I'm, I'm just being honest. Is that like, I, if I see something that I like, I want to figure out how I can do it myself. And, you know, I, I don't want to necessarily take the same photo as somebody else, but I want to like, I like to see what worked in their photo. I like to try to like figure out what it is that made me like that photo. And then I got to figure out how to make that work in the photos that I take. So I, I don't know. I see myself as a constantly changing, constantly affected by what I'm seeing a uh, photographer, I guess you could say. And the differences between you as a photographer digitally and you as a photographer on film, how much of that is down to the medium and how much of that is down to you sort of the process, I guess, of what you're doing, the fact that film is inherently slower and inherently you have to, you know, there's more weight behind each photo because you have a limited number of frames. You know, what what, what affects you more when you're switching from digital to film? I think that I had overthought so much in digital, um, especially it's funny, like I, I go back and I look through the ridiculous library of photos that I took that I've never done anything with. And I think I was, I got to the point where I was overthinking everything. And I, so I think like with film photography, you have to think about it at the beginning when it's exciting and when it's fresh and that like you're there in the moment taking a photograph. Once you take that photograph, you know, you, you're not, you're not going to be manipulating the image. You're not going to like, so it's all technical. It's all there right then and there. And so I think like, that's what I always liked about any sort of photography is like the technical aspect of being there in the moment, taking a photo of something after the fact though, it's not that I lose interest. It's just that I maybe overthink. So like, I, 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 I don't know. I, it's tough to say. I think that film as a medium is just, it's more rewarding it's more thought-provoking it's more expensive so therefore you just have to really covet what you're doing in the moment and i think that's what's really drawn drawn me to it i think part of it and this this is a little bit uh weird or a little bit uh cheesy but like when i when i um quit photography i or not quit photography but when i you know, kind of sl- slowed down a bit. Um, I bought a house, I bought an older house and I went from like this mentality of like, I'd like everything to be new and everything to be clean, uh, to like renovating a home, uh, mostly on my own, uh, obviously like to help my wife. Um, but like doing it with my hands and using raw material to create things. And also just like this, all of a sudden this love of like, thrifting and like finding things that were owned by other people uh, and cherished for many years by other people. And you know that they were cherished because of the good shape that they were in. And then, you know, that, that thing no longer is important. So they donate it. And then I pick it up from the thrift store. It's kind of the same thing. Whereas like film, I think was like this amazing cherished medium for so many years. And it has this kind of vintage nostalgia to it. And then it kind of disappeared because of digital and it kind of became irrelevant, at least for a lot of, you know, young photographers who didn't have 
money to get into film or didn't understand it or didn't respect it, you kind of come back to this like reality that like, this was the original, this has been around for so long. It's been around for so long and it hasn't died because it is such an important part of the medium. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling at this point, but like, I feel like that's just, that's like, to me, what it is about the process of film. It's like this love for something that existed and then kind of disappeared and is now kind of re-existing. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I've been fortunate actually the last few weeks to speak to many, many uh, film photographers and and sort of try and get a grasp on this this revolution, I guess, this kind of resurgence of film photography. Coming from, you know, I, I'm I'm a fairly young photographer in the sense I only started about seven years ago um, and I only found film really prominently since lockdown. Um, so I work in photography, but I've never really given film much of a second thought and um, just decided that now was a good time to kind of educate myself on it. Um, you mentioned earlier about that kind of nostalgia being a big part of film photography. And I, my wife's a psychologist. I definitely feel like a psychologist could have a field day with the sort of what I now refer to as the nostalgia porn of the film community. Is there a danger that like the modern day isn't being documented with film? Um, and that, you know, there's almost like a generational miss here where we, we've got this amazing medium that is finally being seen as an alternative, not a predecessor to digital photography, but it's not being used to photograph the current event. It's being used to photograph what used to be. Interesting. I, ah, that's a good question. I think that like part of at least for why I like, like shooting this, like the nostalgic aspect of of like old vintage signs and stuff like that is because part of it is especially in vegas there's a tear down culture like if it's old get rid of it and replace it with something new and shiny and so like i i'm i'm not really preserving it for anybody other than necessarily myself but i you know it's it it's an interesting way of thinking about it so like all right so look at like somebody um like stephen shore i'm not sure if you're familiar with his photography, yeah. he, yeah. So his, I mean, his, what makes his photos so amazing is that he, he was just taking photos of the day to day. It's not like he was, he's going out and seeking now these like vintage cars sitting, you know, these old broken down cars sitting down on the side of the road with a cool old sign. Like he was just documenting the day to day. And that's not to downplay him. Like he was, an, he's an incredible artist um, and, and incredibly important in, in, not just film photography, but just photography as a whole. Um, I think like his work is, is really cool to see because he was just going around and he was shooting these things in the present. And now looking back on it 40 years later, you're like, wow, that's so cool. That's what I want my photos to look like. And it's like, well, this he, he's been doing this for, for 40 years. So I do think that, yes, there is an opportunity lost in not shooting like modern stuff on film. I think though that like, I don't know. I think that like modern lends itself to be shot on digital just because it's, I don't, I don't know. That's it. I'm trying to think the best way to describe. Well, if you don't mind, I'll throw in my, my theory. Yeah, I'd love to hear. 
Well, it's, it's definitely a pessimistic theory, so I better put that up front. But here's what I think. I think that with Instagram and instant gratification, you know, digital has brought about instant gratification with photography. And I, I think that we are now at that point where everybody wants instant feedback and usually they only accept instant positive feedback from what they're doing. That it's a great way to mimic or to show idolization for past photographers that have done an amazing job of documenting the time they're in. but you know, those photographers from 40 years ago are are amazing because they're a window into what was going on 40 years ago. And if right. you photograph now and you post what's going on now, it's not going to have the same resonation with people now. In 40 years time, it could be something absolutely incredible because, you know, like we're seeing this year, there's so many interesting events and there's so many um, world events going on that in 40 years time, the 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 individual people's photography is going to tell an, an amazing story about what it was like to go through 2020 or, or 2021 or 2019, whatever, from a first person perspective, but it's not going to get instant gratification. So I think that's why people are avoiding it. I think that's a big part of it. I also think that modern day aesthetic is just incredibly ugly. Most things that are being built or you know manufactured now are to purpose they're plastic and they're not designed in a way that's in any way exciting or quote unquote sexy i think you are right uh on both of your arguments uh completely um i think that um i think that instant gratification is part of it i do think that there is a a way to document today that is exciting I also think, and I also agree with you in saying that just like, I don't, there's very little modern architecture, very little like modern, like I, I just, I despise like LED lighting. Um, I despise like that. I just, it just not even, and I think maybe that's from photography. It's from videography. Like I just, I hate like bad lighting in general. And I think that... (laughs) And it's like, and I'm talking like, even just like in my home, like I have in in this office that I'm sitting in right now, I have a ceiling light, you know, I have a ceiling fan that has a light on it and I hate turning it on. Now, when my wife is in here and she's working and she's, you know, being, trying to be productive, she turns it on. It makes perfect sense. But for me, it actually like having that, that ugly light, that, that, that top source that just drives me crazy. Um, And I think that that's like, there's there's um, modern functionality, and it's not as beautiful. And so I think that there's there's this lost art form in architecture and design now, and everything's very shiny and just like everything's just too perfect. So yeah, I think it. it, it what all I'm saying is I, I completely agree with your point, and I think your I think your perspective is right. I think that's why it would be. It's why it's tough, why people don't want to spend money on film to document just like your day to day. Right. But there is, there is one, one sort of peculiar thing that seems to have come up. Um, and I, I feel like I'm the only person that's noticed it because I've brought it up a few times and people always seem to be a bit surprised by it. But with the, you know, the recent political events in America with the, the protests, the riots, you know, all, all the events that have gone on over the last few weeks, an awful lot of people are documenting that with film and specifically with black and white film. And I'm still trying to figure out why it is that people have decided that 
film's the right medium to document that on. And the only theory I can come up with is that film could be construed as being more honest because it's less likely to be manipulated or it's less likely to be deemed as manipulated as opposed to a digital image. But it's it's, it's a very bizarre thing for me to see so many film photographers documenting the um, the protests. I think that you will see more film photographers documenting it because in general, it's just like film photographers are more interested in documenting. Um, I do find it interesting that a lot of it has been in black and white. Um, I think maybe that's, I I, I don't know what the reasoning is. I've noticed that as well. Um, I think that black and white does a good job at making, I don't want to say busy scenes, but like it, it has it, it has the yeah. ability to like simplify a scene, and so like something that is visually stimulating all over the place might look like if there's a lot of stuff going on, it might be a little bit easier to to go in a monochrome black and white. Um, I don't I don't know I don't know what it is why it why exactly it's happening. Um, I. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I do think it's weird though, and I think it's like maybe part of it's like uh, a throwback nostalgia to like the '60s during the civil rights right. movement. I I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I it's interesting you say that because I definitely have noticed it um, as as a way that it's it's kind of been portrayed. Well, now that I've given all of my pessimistic theories on stuff, let's move away from me talking completely. And what are you using in the way of cameras at the moment? Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> a little bit of everything. Um, I, I I mentioned at the top of this conversation, um, my grandfather was a photographer. He had um, all sorts of gear. When he passed away uh, about 10 years ago, my grandmother gave me all of his cameras just because I she knew I was into photography. I was not into film photography, but she gave them to me. I've always cherished them. Um, I have his Canon A1. That was the first film uh, film camera I used. Um, I also have my mom's AE1 uh, that I kind of use as my secondary camera. So those are like my two 35mm cameras that I pretty much... I don't want to say exclusively use, but I've got an A1 and an AE1 that are both like not cameras that I've picked up from thrift stores. They're cameras that actually have a lot of meaning uh, to me. And so like, those are my, my 35s. Um, I picked up a RB, a Mamiya RB67 medium format camera, uh, back around the holidays, like back in December. And, um, I just absolutely fell in love with medium format photography. And I think I, I actually think I, and it's within the past month that I've learned at least partially why I, I love it so much. And I think it's actually part of, has something to do with more my scanning process than anything else. Um, I scan using a digital SLR and rather than purchasing a, um, a macro lens, I just use like my normal digital lenses with an extension tube that gives you the ability to uh, kind of replicate that macro ability to fill up an entire frame with a film shot. The reason I say this is that um, my 120 film, my medium format film 
shots, I was using a different lens, a different setup than my 35 millimeter shots and my 120 shots just always turned out a little bit more crisp, a little bit more detailed. And I just love the way it looked. Looked Now, I for this, um, I, I've been working on this. I, I did this road trip actually with Danny um, back in uh, May um, where we uh, drove in separate cars and we camped out for, for a couple of days. Um, and we did this whole road trip around um, Nevada. And um, I shot a bunch of stuff on 35 and 120. But what I did was when I when I got back and I uh, got everything developed, I rented a um, proper macro lens, and I um, find that the sharpness uh, of 35 with the macro lens looks so much better than my original setup. And now I'm realizing that the reason why I liked 120 so much was because of that sharpness. But actually, the reason it wasn't sharp was because of my scanning process, not my, not because of um, anything wrong with 35 millimeters. So I think that like now I'm probably going to go back a little bit more to 35 millimeter, knowing that I can get the same sharpness out of a 35 millimeter shot as I can a 120 shot. Um, that being said, though, I just I love the RB uh, six seven. It's it's big. It's obnoxious. It's heavy, <laughs> cumbersome, and it just like it just feels significant in your hands. And I just, I, I just love, uh, I just love that. I don't know, I don't know why. It's just it has this great, this great feel. It just feels so right. I don't know <laughs> how else to describe it. Well, I feel like I can get this on a recording, and then it feels like it's going to be something that you have to do because I've challenged you, and it's out there. And if you don't, it essentially makes you a coward. <laughs> but. I, I obviously have only recently started film photography. And the first thing I thought of looking at it was like looking at all the different film stocks and, and the interest that you can get um, in shooting a scene, but with just different film stocks, the same scene can look wildly different. Um, I'm obsessed at the moment with the idea of shooting some Lomochrome purple um, out in either the desert or at least somewhere like Joshua Tree. So I'm challenging you because I can't do it because of the lack of being able to fly. I'm challenging you to buy some Lomochrome purple, preferably 120, and go and shoot some of the amazing uh, landscape shots that you do um, using that film. And then I get to see what it would look like if I had talent and was there. Well, I challenge accepted. Um, I will have to pick up some Lomochrome purple um, and give it a shot. Um, the nice thing is actually, the nice thing about the, the RB is the ability to um, swap out your film back. Um, so I would have the ability, I have two film backs now. Um, I'd have the ability to put Lama Chrome purple in, um, and still like, so I could shoot one frame on Portra or Fuji or whatever I have. And then one shoot shot on Lama Chrome purple and try it. I, I haven't experimented with Lama Chrome purple. I don't know that I necessarily would like it. Uh, but I also, <laughs> I don't know, but I feel like I need to like, and I think that's like what first intrigued me about film in general is that like the process is, can be kind of messy and can be kind of weird and kind of different. And like, I, I went through a phase where I was shooting a lot of expired film just because that's what I was able to get my hands on. And it's so cool to see like color shifts and just like disgusting amounts of, of noise because the film, you know, sat out in someone's car for 10 years yeah. and just got 
destroyed by the heat. Um, I think that's half the fun. I do think though that like my, my biggest, my problem is that like, if I'm, because I'm such a planner, if I'm going to go out and plan a shot, I want to make sure that I get it. And so like, sometimes that makes me shy away from shooting like expired film or shooting something different. But I think, I think, uh, I think I will have to try one with Chrome Purple and I will have to try it in 120 and I will have to send those photos your way. At this point, if you don't, you're basically a liar and a terrible person. So <laughs> I appreciate I have, I appreciate you uh, corresponding with this idea. Let's just quickly talk film stocks because I know it's generally not the most exciting subject. I was quite surprised actually when I started looking into it and the amount of people that just answer with Portra. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming by the fact that you've mentioned it that you are a member of the cult of Portra. But why is it so popular? Um, I feel like... I, I guess I'm part of the cult of Portra. Part, okay, so part of it is the fact that Kodak films over Fuji films just in general, to me, look better in the desert because they're warmer, they're more focused on yellows and reds and oranges um, and, and kind of that pastel um, uh, color palette. Whereas like Fuji is awesome for like more of the greens and the blues. So I think like part of why I like Portra and part of why, you know, I, I do shoot a lot of Portra is because it works really, really well in the desert. Um, that being said, um, I, I really, so I, I really want to shoot more slide film. Um, actually what got me into sh- wanting to shoot film in the first place was, um, this, uh, this amazing photographer, Alex Burke. Um, and he is a, a solely film photographer. He's a, a landscape photographer. His work is, um, absolutely the best when it comes to, uh, not just film photography, but just landscape photography as a whole. And he shoots almost exclusively on slide film. Um, mostly large format, uh, four by five, eight by 10. And I, that, that was my first experience actually where I was looking at film photography as a, as a relevant medium for me to potentially try it. Um, I, I, going back to like what made me start film was like, I just wanted to like want, I wanted to want to shoot again. Um, and I think that like seeing his work encouraged me and like, he uses a lot of like Velvia and um, Superior, or not Superior, um, uh, Provia. And I, I like, I, I, I have a roll of Velvia that I've owned. Literally, it was the, it was the first roll of film I bought that also came with the Portra 100 or 160 that I bought. And I just like haven't shot with it like at all. Um, and I really want to. So like, Right now I shoot portrait because I know what it can do. And I've kind of locked myself into like, I know I can, I know what it can do. It gives me the results that I like. I know how to manipulate it in a scene to work in my favor. I need to get out of my comfort zone again. I need to start wanting to challenge myself. And I really want to shoot more slide film specifically. I really want to shoot more like Provia and Velvia because, um, it just looks, uh, incredible. It just it, the color, the color um, palettes are are vivid and maybe even a little bit more accurate. Whereas like portrait dulls everything down a little bit, which I like. 
but I want to try shooting the more saturated. Um, I'm just, I'm just, I, I'm a coward in that. Like, I don't want my <laughs> shots. Well, no, I don't want my shots. I don't want to go out and like spend a bunch of time taking a photo to have it come back from the lab. And, you know, I go to scan it and it just like looks like crap. And then I'm right. really mad that I spent all this time and this money on something that I don't even like the outcome of. So I think, I, I think why people gravitate towards portrait is because it's reliable. It has a really great uh, muted color palette. It works really well for a lot of scenes. Um, and so I think people get comfortable with it, including myself. Um, but I think that like Fuji makes really great film, like their pro 400 H I've shot, I've shot one roll of it, uh, at night, uh, from a recommendation from another film photographer. And I just loved the outcome, just like absolutely loved it. So I, I'm fascinated by film stock. I think actually that's, um, up until recently, I only ever put what camera I used, what film stock I used, and how I developed slash scan the film as my caption. Because that, to me, is the science, it's the tech of, of taking a photo that interests me more than anything. So I, I, I love to talk film stock. I love to see how different film stocks affect a scene differently. Let's talk about you as a photographer. A um, couple of broad questions, and we'll start to round up, because I'm sure that you've got better things to be doing than talking to me. Oh, no, I I love myself, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> What's your worst habit as a photographer? Getting too comfortable, uh, for sure. I think that um, I get myself into like a rhythm, and then I refuse to get myself out of that rhythm. And then, in terms, in terms of like your view of other people's photography, obviously, it's a bit of a contentious issue because uh, a lot of people don't like to obviously uh, be the one throwing stones, but. What's your most disliked or your most hated photo cliche? Um, it's a tough question. I, again, because of, uh, cause I'm more tech than I am creative. I, I think that like, I, I don't like when like people, like, I, I like, I, I'm very big on like, if you're going to take a photo, even if you, mess up the photo in the camera, like try to fix like your horizons, like keep your horizons straight, use your lens to create, um, different, uh, you know, use your, yeah, use your lens to create like different variations of the same scene. So like tilt your camera down and stretch your image out, like stuff like that. Uh, as far as cliches, I feel like there aren't as many cliches in film photography as there are in digital photography. Like I, I don't, I don't get like taking a photo of your camera in your hand. <laughs> with people. Like, I, I don't, I don't understand that. That to me just makes no sense. Cause whatever, but whatever, I mean, whatever you're into, I I'm, I'm generally speaking, I'm happy to see that anybody is out there taking a photo of anything because that photo meant something to that person. And at the end of the day, that's what matters the most. So this last question is probably the one that I'm most proud of through your number 88 on the podcast. This is episode number 88. And this is probably the question I'm most proud of up to this point. And I'm quite frustrated that I've only recently thought of it. <laughs> but you have the pleasure of answering it with all of that pressure put on you. 
In terms of digital photography, obviously democratizing photography quite a bit because it became um, easier in terms of the, lo- the, the learning process because you, you get instant gratification, you can check your shot as you go and so on. And basically cameras have gotten easier and easier and easier to use. Why is it that we aren't sort of blessed with more and more and more amazing photographers if there are more and more people that are able to do it? Um. I mean, I, I disagree. I think there, I think there are a lot of amazing photographers, but I also think that the technology, like, I, I, I keep on saying that 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 I'm a very tech set, like tech oriented person. I do think though that like what makes a good photograph does not matter what you are shooting, like what 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 your if it's digital versus film, if it's a five D versus a Nikon versus an A one versus a cell phone. I think what makes a good photo is composition, it's balance, it's lighting. And so I think that like the reason why maybe there aren't what why why certain photographers stand out over others is the attention paid towards what you the subject matter. And and I think that that's I think that's the most important part. I think figuring out what makes a photograph good um is what makes a photograph good if that makes any sense so like balancing your your um balancing the different elements in the photo whether and 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 i think actually for me one of the biggest things is like power lines like i don't like power lines in a photo like especially if they're like crossing a sign but at least getting creative then and using them as a leading line so that at least the power lines are are leading your eye towards something in a photograph and not just like cutting it off in some random way and, you know, u- utilizing the different rules, uh, you know, like rules of thirds and, and using the different techniques of what make a good photograph. I think that's what really truly makes a good photographer good. Um, and so I think that's part of why with better technology, there may not be any higher quantity of better photographers. I do think though that there are a lot of great photographers out there who just don't, and this is the problem with Instagram, who either don't know how to market themselves or don't know how to get, like, how to properly create their, like, their image in order to get it out to bigger audiences. So maybe it's not that they're not as good, it's just that they, they aren't seen because it's that it's that that game of Instagram where it's like if you don't have enough followers, then you, you're not going to gain followers and stuff like that. I, I I don't know if that makes sense, but I think I think Instagram does a really terrible job sometimes in in that it hides intentionally hides people who are very talented um, if they're not willing to like play the game that is Instagram. Yeah, I think as more and more people sort of. Um, bow to the church that is like followers and likes and and that kind of social media gratification. I I, I see more and more people change styles. I mean, I, especially coming from the portrait world and the fashion world, um, I see a lot of people that just sort of hype up and ramp up the sexualization because that's what gets the most feedback. Because obviously that's what gets the most feedback. And then more and more, I feel like we're moving away from any form of expression and more kind of 
focused on what the reception of the image is going to be before we've even taken the image. So people aren't actually putting out images that speak to them. They're putting out images that they hope speaks to someone else and not to one person in particular. They're, they're happy as long as that number is as big as possible. Um, and I feel like maybe people should be more focused on, you know, really connecting with one person as opposed to getting a double tap and a swipe onwards from, you know, 100,000 people. I think that's part of what burned me out too. I think uh, originally in photography and digital photography is just like that, that um, swipe and move on culture um, of Instagram. I think, every, I think it's hard not to get caught up in numbers. Um, I'm, I'm very fascinated by the numbers, like by, by the game and the, and the way to work the system on Instagram. And um, I just find it interesting to study as a whole. Um, but I think it's, I think it sucks at, at the same time because I think that like, it's hard not to, you know, if you're, if you take a photo of something, uh, that you think other people will really like, and then you post that photo and you were right. And everybody likes that photo. It's going to, it's, it's going to change the way your brain, you know, thinks, and you're going to want to get that gratification again. So you're going to go out and you're going to shoot. And I think I'm, I, I think everybody definitely including myself is guilty of that. In that I started shooting landscapes, uh, even on, in film. And then I started, and then I started realizing like, Oh, other people are shooting cars. Let me try shooting cars. Oh, this looks really cool. Oh, this got likes. And I think it's, I think it's, it's a blessing and a curse because I think the other thing that it's a curse in that, like it may affect the way you shoot, but where I, I think it's a blessing and, I think this was the case for me way, way back in the day. Is it like, it made me want to go out and shoot more. So like, it made me want to go out and see the same places that other people had seen. And it made me want to experience that in, in, in person, as opposed to just like on a phone screen. So I think that like social media is great because it can connect people. It connects people like, I mean, I would not be having this conversation right now if it wasn't for social media. Um, I wouldn't have met Danny had it not been for social media. I wouldn't have met a lot of my people I call friends now in both the film and digital community because of social media. And I wouldn't, you know, want to, I probably wouldn't be as into photography if it wasn't for it. But it also, on the other end, totally can suck you dry and discourage you from doing what you truly want to do. And, developing as a photographer if you're only worried about the numbers. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing is to recognize the good and bad points of something and then make sure that you focus on what you're getting from it and discard what you're not um, enjoying about it. I think that's a really good way to end. Uh, most important thing with the podcast is that we're sharing work. We want as many people as possible to find as many new photographers and new artists to follow. So where can everyone go to see the work that you do? Um, I am mostly now just on Instagram. Um, my Instagram, uh, name is Mojave Dave or Mojave dot Dave. Um, I actually internally in my brain think of it as Mohave Dave just because it rhymes. (laughs) (laughs) So I've, I've always actually, actually always just think of it as Mohave Dave, but, uh, it's, it's Mojave dot Dave is my, is my, um, film Instagram. Uh, profile. Just to go completely against what I said a minute ago about it being the last question, I do want to ask you something very quickly, and it it's doesn't need to be a long answer. I promise you can easily probably discard this one. But why is it that film photographers don't generally have websites? I don't know. I, I mean, I do have a website. Um, I have not updated it 
since I started shooting film. Um, I think that like, I don't know. I, I think that like, I, I hadn't, hadn't until a little bit more recently, hadn't been as serious about it. I feel like when you get a website, it means that you're a serious professional photographer and that you want to draw attention to that sometimes. Um, and so I think a lot of like film photographers in general are a little bit more easygoing, a little bit less. And it comes back down to like that competitiveness. Um, the film community is so supportive of one another, whereas like the digital community is more cutthroat. So like in order to be seen as a bigger power in the digital community, maybe you need a website. Whereas in film, you're unless you're like selling prints or selling a zine or selling a book or whatever, you don't necessarily need one because your portfolio is is right there on the Instagram platform. That's see, you, you answered my question. That was perfect. We must also remember to mention uh, Las Vegas Bender. Yes. Um, so Las Vegas Bender, uh, it's uh, lasvegasbender.com. You should probably check that before I... Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> let me make sure it's still working. Let's see. lasvegasbender.com. Yep, still working. I just wanted to make sure um, Danny hadn't uh, forgotten to pay the bills or anything. Um, yeah, <laughs> lasvegasbender.com. Um, you can see a uh, trailer to the film. Um, we are still in the uh, festival phase of the film and we hope that eventually we'll uh, be able to work on uh, some sort of distribution or online viewing, um, you know, to a, a greater audience. But right now we're still kind of in that uh, exclusively f- uh, festival phase. So, um, you can find out more information at lasvegasbender.com. It's been amazing to talk to you. I really do appreciate it. Even though I do absolutely hate you for the fact that you live in Vegas. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for uh, taking the time to chat. This has been, uh, it's been as much uh, good for me as it is just like learning uh, how other people think about photography is just fascinating. So thank you. 